Aaron, I'll do it. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, the offseason rolls along, and that means that the 49ers are going to be entering the NFL draft. As we speak right now, midweek, 49ers have 11 picks in this 2023 draft, but the first one doesn't come until number 99. That is at the end of the third round. Now they have number 99, they have number 100, and they have number 102. So at the end of that round, We're going to be, in all likelihood, unless there's some trading happening, we're going to be really, really busy, Matt. That's going to be like a 20-minute window uh, with a lot of writing, a lot of tweeting. It's it's going to be a roller coaster for sure. But uh, I guess to make up for it, we might just kind of be sitting on our hands for the first two rounds. Yeah, um, I've been thinking about uh, what they would do or who they would go after if they pooled together some of those picks and either went... I think they can go as high as the uh, the end of the second if they put together all three of those uh, those third rounders, or maybe it's uh, you know a third rounder and a fifth. They, they they have options having eleven picks, and I'm trying to think of okay, who's the guy that they would go after in that scenario? And uh, you know, you and I have been circling uh, tackles and uh, pass rushers, edge rushers. That's my thought, is that if, if they did go up, it would be for one of those two positions and probably tackle just because there's so few of them. And if there's one that they can really envision being part of that offense, doing the things required in that offense, which basically means that they have to be light on their feet. They have to be able to move around. Um, uh, that might be the guy. And, uh, you know, the guy that we took, David, in our uh, – Athletic mock the uh, the beat writer mock uh, BYU's Freeland I think uh, might be the guy I mean it, I, if he's sitting there at uh, ninety nine I think he'd be absolutely tempting and I wonder whether they would even go up a few spots if he if he dropped towards the end of the third round Yeah, there's Blake Freeland BYU and then his I guess college rival you could say. Braden Daniels out of Utah, Provo and, and Salt Lake City, both tackles who the 49ers might be interested in because they're both uh, really athletic. Freeland's athletic profile, though, jumps off the screen, and he might remind fans a lot of Mike McGlinchey. And I know right. McGlinchey was a polarizing figure in, in a 49ers uniform, and there were some good reasons behind that. He was so good at, at run blocking in space because of that athleticism. But, uh, you know, the one of the – byproducts of that because he was a little bit lighter was that he struggled at times in pass protection. McGlinchey did get better in pass protection later on. And I think that's, that's key to note. And the 49ers did like him. They didn't like him enough to, to re-sign him as one of their A-list players, but it still is probably something that we should look at as, as a guide, as a prototype for what they're looking for at that tackle position. And Blake Freeland at six, eight with his movement ability might really match uh, those parameters. So I would look at, at him if the 49ers are going for a tackle of the future, which they should be because Trent Williams is 35 years old and, and that right tackle spot right now is still a big question mark. There's a lot of faith being put in Colton McKivitz. I look at Braden Daniels, who's played every position except for center at Utah. The The problem, Matt, is that it's hard to find an offensive lineman who has a 
complete skill set and a complete track record this late in the third round. There's a reason that you normally have to use a more valuable pick, but the 49ers don't have those picks. So whoever they do pick, if they do try to address that position uh, a little earlier in their draft, it's still going to have to be a developmental prospect. And the thing is, they think that they're set up for a developmental prospect. They think that Trent Williams is obviously primed to continue playing top-level football for at least another year or two, maybe more. And they think that Colton McKivitz can hold down the fort for the time being at right tackle. Yeah, and I think that this guy, Freeland, would, would very much be a developmental guy. Um, remember, uh, 49ers fans will remember well that weight was an issue for Mike McGlinchey. He kind of struggled uh, the first few years to find the ideal weight. He was getting uh, bullied too much at a low weight, and, and that's what's allowed Freeland to have that really athletic combine performance. He's not that heavy. Uh, he's almost 6'8", but o- only weighs a little over 300 pounds. He's been packing on the weight, uh, you know, since he got to BYU. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a, uh, uh, a, uh, a project for him is to kind of add bulk, be able to deal with bull rushes. He gives up too many inside rushes, things like that. Uh, however, he moves really well. I mean, he's able to get to the outside. He's able to seal rush lanes. I was watching BYU versus Notre Dame uh, last night on YouTube, and uh, you know Notre Dame's got some really good defensive players. Uh, Isaiah Foskey, local guy for the 49ers, probably going to go uh, you know end of the second, early third round defensive end. Um, and, uh, I thought that, uh, Freeland had a, had a great game against, uh, Notre Dame was kind of throwing his weight around pancaking guys. So I, I think he has that potential, um, you know, giving him a year to a learn the system and, and B woke up a little bit more, get a little bit more strength, get a little bit more, uh, heft so that he can absorb that bull rush would be, would be good. Um, Wanya Morris is another guy. Doesn't move nearly as well as Freeland. Uh, I think he's stronger, Oklahoma tackle, Uh, but he he has some movement skills. So uh, another guy that might catch their eye there, another tackle that might catch their eye. Um, And there there might be some that uh, we don't know about. Uh, Tyler Steen from Alabama is probably going to go before the 49ers or or even close. But uh, those are the tackles that sort of uh, rise to the level of, okay, that, that guy could be the the 99 pick, the, the first pick for the 49ers this year. It could also be an edge rusher. We know that they have a propensity to load up on that defensive line. It served them well throughout the years of this regime. It could be a running back because we know that they love drafting running backs in the third round and that Kyle Shanahan, even though a lot of fans might not like it, Kyle Shanahan loves to replenish that position with – uh, that type of draft capital. So it's the draft is anybody's guess. You know, I wrote in, in our dueling mock draft, I wrote that it's a good thing the 49ers have three of these third round picks. So they could perpetuate all the trends. The trends being defensive linemen drafted with their first pick and running back drafted with a third round pick. This means that everybody can be happy uh, with these late third round picks. But all, all kidding aside, uh, this draft is one that the 49ers are calling a deep draft, but not a top heavy one. And one, you know, might argue that they're only saying that because they don't have any top picks that they don't pick until late in the third round. But John Lynch has been adamant about this. Adam Peters has been adamant about this. They they keep on saying, you know, if there were a year 
to to not have a first or second round pick, we think this would be the year because we really don't think that the top end talent in this draft is all that great, but we do think that there is value to be found in rounds three to seven. And guess what? That's where the 49ers have built this strong roster, rounds three to seven. I mean, of course you have your top end guys like Debo Samuel, who was a second rounder, Nick Bosa was a first rounder, but the 49ers aren't the 49ers, and that is one of the strongest rosters in football without the drafting success they've had in the middle rounds, namely the fifth round. But Fred Warner was a third round pick. So rounds three through seven, Purdy, Brock Purdy, seventh rounder, by the way, rounds three through seven have been where the 49ers have made, I think, comparatively, where they've where they've made their most success. And it just so happens that this draft is going to be focused on those rounds. Yeah, I don't think they're making that up. I think that's uh, that's what most uh, draft analysts think. Not not very many stars in this draft, but it's deep. Um, and, and deep, especially in, in rounds three, four, and five. I mean, to me, those are the, the, the money rounds. And there's no greater money round for the 49ers than the fifth. I mean, I've... I'm sort of stunned that every fifth round pick they've taken, and it's been like uh, you know 10, 11 guys since 2017. That was the year they had uh, Trent Taylor and uh, and George Kittle and, and DJ Jones and and that group in in the fifth round. All those guys are still in the league, uh, and you can't say that about every round for the 49er. Maybe the first, maybe maybe those guys are all still in the league. But um, to me, it's just amazing. That uh, that group, and so uh, they've got five, or I'm sorry, they got three fifth round picks, um, and uh, I guarantee you they're going to be some intriguing names there when that fifth round starts. And uh, if you're a real 49ers fan, <laughs> you kind of sit up a little straighter in your uh, your barca lounger when uh, when the fifth round begins, because uh, you know uh, history shows that those are some some guys that can be future stars for this team. Um, so uh, that's going to be be interesting. Uh, I, I think the, the the fan base will uh, be unhappy if they uh, if they uh, trade away some of those fifth rounders to go a little bit higher. Because, uh, like I said, that's been the money round for this team since 2017. Well, you know the 49ers are already ahead of the rest of the NFL as far as this draft goes. They've already made their first pick. His name is Christian McCaffrey. It's a good. Uh, that's a good first rounder. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a productive first rounder. We we talked to him on Monday at the congratulations to him recently engaged, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he he's ready for more. He's only twenty six years old. He's going to turn twenty seven uh, a little bit later this spring, but still very much in his prime. 49ers obviously sent a lot of capital out to Carolina for him. But I don't think there's anybody arguing with that now. There were some naysayers at the time, but uh, boy, he transformed the the 49ers offense, turned it from a good unit into a dominant one. Right? It was it was really really amazing to watch how the the spacing of that 49ers offense just changed when Christian McCaffrey entered. But they used what a second round pick, a third round pick. A fourth round pick and a fifth round pick was it four total picks? Well, yeah, one of them the I know was in a future year. year. So they yeah, don't, the they fifth don't is have next their year. fifth for right now. They don't have their fifth in twenty twenty four. So the 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 draft is about throwing darts up against the wall, and you try to get as many darts as possible because some of them aren't going to hit the bullseye. And the more throws that you give yourself, theoretically, the better chance that you have of of notching more bullseyes. The 49ers saw. Four darts with the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth round pick. 
And they said, you know, there's a chance that we throw these at the draft and one of them or two of them hits and is a bullseye, or we can just throw all four of them at Christian McCaffrey, who we know is going to be a bullseye because it's Christian McCaffrey. The bet that they made is that he would stay healthy last year, and he still has to stay healthy moving forward. But uh, so far, that bet looks damn good, right? And it's a strategy that we've seen a lot of teams make. The only drawback, Matt, assuming McCaffrey stays healthy, is that it's a more expensive way of doing business against the salary cap. His cap hit is $12 million, whereas, you know, four rookies, those four picks, their cap hit this year combined would be only, what, $3 million or so. So uh, at some point, you can't just keep on trading for veterans. At some point, rookies do have to take up some of those spots, but as far as premier positions, premium spots, A-list frontline spots, you want to have star players who you pay. It's the depth of the team that you have to replenish through the draft. And I think that's the main point for the 49ers. They want to find playable depth with these 11 picks coming up this weekend. Right. And people will, will look at running back and, and say the depth there is perfectly fine. I mean, you've got McCaffrey, you've got Elijah Mitchell behind him, you've got Ty Davis-Price, you've got uh, Jordan Mason, you've even got really... Tevin Coleman, no one is going to sign him. He'll be available if you run into problems there. And then you also have uh, Bobby Turner and uh, Anthony Lynn. And, and Turner just uh, has built a career on finding late round or undrafted guys. You better believe that he's been burning up the phone lines, creating a, a draft list of guys that he likes. And, and I think that that's a lot of uh, the reason why we're hearing so much about 49ers and running backs. It's because Bobby Turner's back. And Bobby Turner does a lot of work, whether they're going to use a pick on a running back or not. He's literally calling hundreds and hundreds of guys, or I should say hundreds of times from you know late February until the start of the draft. So that creates uh, a lot of buzz and that gets reported. But I would be surprised if it's, a, if it's another third rounder. I would. And I, I know I shouldn't be at this point, but boy, they, they do seem to have depth, you know, and if you're adding a third rounder, then you're you're essentially probably going to cut a, a former third rounder or a guy like Mason who, who played really well last year. So I, I, I don't know how the numbers would work in that scenario. So that makes me skeptical that they would go there. But uh, to your greater point, yeah, I mean, the idea that uh, the 49ers are willing to bring in somebody like McCaffrey now shows that they feel like they're close and they need to strike while the iron's hot, which is why, you know, this talk of trading Brandon Ayuk and trading Trey Lance and, and doing things to, to gain extra picks, uh, regain a first rounder, et cetera, et cetera, it just doesn't make sense right now. This team thinks that it can win the Super Bowl. So why would you get rid of your top receiver from last year if you think you're right on the cusp of being able to do that? Yeah, I, and John Lynch, I think, said it very succinctly and effectively in his press conference on Monday. The quote that stood out to me the most out of that whole presser was, quote, you can't keep everyone, but we're trying to do something special this year. And he emphasized those words, Matt. We're trying to do something special this year. He went on to say, and Brandon is going to be a big part of that and beyond as well. So he was talking specifically about Brandon Ayuk, but I think you could zoom out with that thought and really read into the 49ers philosophy. And that is, yes, they're trying to build something as sustainable as possible for the long term, but they're also in the middle of a Super Bowl window. So any move that they make, they want to make sure that it immediately makes them better. And usually... 
you know, trading somebody away means that you might get a pick in return, two picks in return, but picks that don't automatically make you immediately better. They might make you more financially sustainable over the long term. They might have a chance of making you better in 2024, but it usually would require quite the haul to make you better in 2023, which is why if the 49ers are operating under the premise that they, that this is a win now period, which is why trading either Brandon Ayuk or Trey Lance right now would demand a significant return because they want to make sure that any move that they make doesn't weaken them in the short run just for a longer term benefit, right? And by extension, I think that Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance are more valuable to the 49ers right now than they are to any other team. I think we could surmise that. Now, can that change? Well, yeah, if Brock Purdy, magic, you know, if his elbow magically heals and the 49ers know that he's going to be uh, ready to go week one and won't get hurt anymore, then yeah, the calculus there might change with Trey Lance. If there's a wide receiver who's really good, who's offered in return for Brandon Ayuk that's a lot cheaper, I don't know if such a receiver exists, but uh, <laughs> if, 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 that's, if that's the case, obviously the, the, the calculus with, with Brandon Ayuk would, would change. But the way that we're sitting and looking at this right now, uh, John Lynch's comments make a whole lot of sense. The 49ers are trying to do something special this year, and they need both Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk with the way that this roster is constructed right now with the injury situation at quarterback right now. They need both of those players to be in the best possible position to succeed in 2023. So uh, John Lynch was asked you know, whether the 49ers are going to pick up the, the fifth-year options for Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk, they're two first rounders in 2020, and he, he sidestepped the question. He said, "You know, I haven't I haven't sat down to to talk with them yet, so I don't want to make that public." He has to do so by Monday, um, and Ayuk's um, number for 2024 is going to be a little bit more than than 14 million. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, my my gut reaction is yes on Ayuk and and no on Kinlaw for obvious reasons. One guy has produced, the other guy has not produced. Uh, but do the money, uh, the money's guaranteed with that fifth year option. Do, do those, uh, do, do those scare you? Is that unworkable, uh, to have that plus, uh, uh, Debo's contract plus George Kittle's contract. You have a lot of money spent on those three positions. I think that you have to, exercise the option because you want to maintain team control. I think 14 million isn't that bad for a 1000 yard wide receiver and and Brandon Ayuk did that last year and I think that the very least you have to bet on him to to do it again because he's been an ascending player for the 49ers, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if Brandon Ayuk stays with the football team that you're going to be paying him that much of a cap hit come 2024. You you maintain the team control now and then you worry about the cap hit later and by that I mean you have more leverage in a potential contract extension negotiation if he is under 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 contract with your team and then uh, if you do strike a deal then you can move that cap hit around right it's the same thing with Nick Bosa right now they picked up his fifth year option because they wanted to make sure that they 
uh, kept him under team control for this season, but he's not going to play on that fifth-year option price tag of nearly $18 million. And it's tough because with these contracts, you like to move the cap number around a little bit. If it's a longer-term deal, you can push some of the cap charges into the future. With the fifth-year option, you are bound to that money, fully guaranteed in this season. There's no shuffling around. The 49ers picked up Mike McGlinchey's fifth-year option, and they were talking about trading him. They ultimately, obviously, never reached a deal. So he played on it, and that ended up being a, you know, a, a tougher cap situation to work around. It was like ten million flat fee. You got to pay it. There's no way to wiggle around it. With Bosa, that's much bigger. That, that's not going to happen. They're going to find that that deal this offseason. You could count on that. With Brandon Ayuk, well, I don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Ayuk, but at the very least, you pick up the fifth year option to give yourselves the option power of you know not only keeping him but keeping him under contract so that way you have more uh you're, you're negotiating from a better platform so uh you know what you said matt they're gonna pick up this option for brandon Ayuk. i'd be shocked if they didn't it's gonna be about 14.5 million dollars they're not gonna pick up the option for javon kinlaw because he hasn't produced enough you just back yourself into a corner in that case and if he gets hurt again you can't be giving him a, a big guarantee for the 2024 season so john lynch hinted that it would go this way at the owners meetings with Brandon Ayuk and I fully expect that to be finalized by the end of the weekend the you know it's just it's not smart to do business sooner than 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 required especially with something as fluid as the draft so 49ers can wait here through the draft if somebody absolutely floors them blows them away wants to send them two first round picks for Brandon Ayuk something crazy like that uh, the 49ers have a little bit more wiggle room a little more option power if they haven't yet picked up that that fifth year option but uh, I mean that's to me it's such a small likelihood of something like that happening it's just one of those things that, that you don't do until you cross the, the the bridge of the draft and as far as Lance I've spent the last month uh, explaining why a trade of Trey Lance makes no sense and so I don't Right now, it doesn't make any sense, at least uh, when you have uh, Brock Purdy still dealing with his elbow issue. Uh, but I did want to ask this question, and, and I don't know the answer to it, but um, I wonder about it, which is, you know, I'm, I'm reading about uh, all these quarterbacks that are going to be taken in the first round uh, you know, at the end of the week. And you know, uh, some have question marks, some didn't produce uh, a lot in, in college, some have great arms, but not a lot of pr- productivity, some are short, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, a Goldilocks and the three bears situation. A- every one of these guys has an issue. I, I wonder where uh, Trey Lance would fall in that mix if he were coming out in this year's draft, how attractive he would be. And, and I imagine it, he would end up going... <laughs> Basically, somewhere around where he went in, in 2021, number three overall, uh, around that, that top five uh, position. Uh, but I, I just feel like that's interesting. And, and really, um, we don't know that much more about Trey Lance now than we did two years ago because uh, he's played so little. Um, and uh, I don't know. That, that's just a d- dynamic that, uh, that the 49ers are dealing with. Um, a lot of it, it seems odd to me that so many fans have soured on Trey Lance without really ever having watched him play. Um, the 49ers thought that Lance was going to be a longer term project than most, uh, you know, first round picks, certainly top five picks. Um, and, and, and they seem to, to gear everybody towards that. And despite all that, 
um, and, and maybe they should have known this was coming, uh, there, there seems to be an awful lot of lost patience about Trey Lance right now. Yeah, and the 49ers have made it, I think, clear that they are in a position where they, they still think the same of, of Trey Lance as, as, as when they drafted him. They just haven't had a chance to evaluate any sort of progress because of the injuries. And they knew this was going to be a raw project that would take some time. Unfortunately, the NFL doesn't sit around and wait for you, though, right? And in the case of Trey Lance and the 49ers, the whole process has been expedited by the fact that they discovered Brock Purdy, uh, who succeeded right away, who's obviously a much more polished quarterback than Trey Lance, and now they're dealing with roster and, and financial realities, or at least the financial realities are looming when, when players are going to become more expensive. They're going to have to decide on Trey Lance's fifth-year option, for example, uh, by next year. So, you know, it's just it's tough luck that Trey Lance hasn't been able to see the field as much as the 49ers have wanted for their development. But they are still, I think, encouraged by his talent. They, they, they still view him as moldable clay. The question is, is there enough runway to mold him given the parameters uh, that are surrounding him that are outside of his control on the roster? So at this point, you know, if you're the 49ers, you realize that Brock Purdy is currently hurt. You have Sam Darnold on the football team now, who is another number three pick in 2018, just like Trey Lance was in 2021. Uh, both of these guys have skill sets that, Kyle Shanahan believes he can work with. You let them compete this offseason. You let them immerse themselves in the playbook this offseason. And then you see what the Brock Purdy situation actually is because nobody's sure of that exact timetable. And then you let it roll in, 2020, in this 2023 season. Uh, by letting it roll last year, the 49ers were able to take the team all the way to the NFC Championship game. They needed all of those quarterbacks. They might need all the quarterbacks that they have this year again. And, you know, the main point is that you just let things organically develop, right? If you start eliminating options, especially at the most important position, uh, you lower the chances of an organic development ending up, w you know, well. You, 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 you miss the chance of – you start limiting potentially good outcomes. And I think the 49ers want to – maximize potentially good outcomes. And right now, there is a path, I think, of logic when you look at Trey Lance, when you look at Sam Darnold, and we, when you look at Brock Purdy, there is a realistic path that you can envision for all three of these quarterbacks to have a good outcome to the 2023 season. I'm not saying that all three will have a good outcome, but you could see all three of these quarterbacks reaching a positive spot as far as their development and as far as their fit with the 49ers goes by the end of this season. So the 49ers just want to maximize the chances of at least one of those developments coming to fruition. Yeah, and um, John Lynch mentioned that yesterday. He, he said, you know, we, we're a team that needed five quarterbacks last year. Um, and uh, so, you know, getting rid of one just, just seems like a, a silly notion right now. And you wouldn't get a lot for him anyway. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be on this team at this point next year. Actually, it wouldn't surprise me if he was, even if, even if everything worked out as, uh, as well for Brock Purdy as, as possible. Uh, because uh, that depth, having depth at that most important position is so important. And, and really, I mean, I, I got to think that that's what worries the 49ers the most. 
they didn't think that Trey Lance was going to be injury prone when when they drafted him. Um, they were surprised after his rookie season. Remember, a rookie season in which he hardly played he had a lot of injuries as a rookie. Um, and uh, I hate to say it, but Brock Purdy has ha- had a lot of injuries too. Um, you know, comes in and immediately has that oblique uh, slash rib issue, was able to play through it, and, and that's a, uh, a testament to his toughness. But he was still limited by it. Uh, and then obviously is now dealing with the uh, with the elbow injury. So that's that's got to really scare the 49ers is that they may have two guys who get hurt a lot. And if and if they think that that's that's the case, if it's not really a fluke, uh, then they might decide that, you know what, if we've got two injury prone quarterbacks, we got to keep we got to keep a lot of quarterbacks on this team. We have to keep both of those guys. Um, and, um, you know, that may be what, uh, what they end up con- concluding, um, you know, right around the trade deadline, there's going to be all sorts of stories about, oh, are the 49ers going to trade, trade, trade Lance here? Um, and, and that may be the case, but probably not. My, my thought is if, if they end up trading him, it'll be, um, during, during next year's off season. Um, but, uh, to your point, uh, everything that happens between now and, you know, the end of uh, or, or mid-January um, is going to basically dictate what happens at that position. Yeah, they need more clarity right now. The c- clarity is something that you, you need firm ground to, to make big moves, and they don't have firm ground right now at the QB position. Brock Purdy and his return prognosis is uncertain. They're optimistic. They like the way that things are going. We talked to, to Brock himself a couple weeks ago. He likes the way things are going, but... Uh, he won't be throwing until early June, and th- that's at the soonest. And and that's when they may have a date, right? They may circle a date on the calendar for a potential return. But until then, and that's after the draft, right? That's not until uh, the dead portion of the offseason. Until then, there won't be real clarity at the quarterback position because Sam Darnold himself is a, is a reclamation project. So uh, Darnold struggled with the New York Jets, struggled for much of his time with Carolina, played really good football over six games to close the 2022 season, but you've still got to make sure that that he's able to port his talent and play well in Kyle Shanahan's system. Again, you're just maximizing the, the dart throws at the wall. You have three right now at the quarterback position, and you hope that one is a bullseye. Might all three be bullseyes? Well, yeah, the, that, that's going to be hard to do because it would require guys getting hurt at the rate that they did in the past. And uh, if you're the 49ers, you want to see these quarterback injuries stop or at least slow down a little bit. But still, you're, you're maximizing chances of success. Why, why don't we talk a little bit about the, the defensive side of the football, Matt, as far as uh, 49ers roster construction and needs. It, it seems to me right now there there is a lot riding on Drake Jackson's development, which is why I think that this team is going to want to, again, using the dart-throwing analogy, they're going to want to stock up on more options at that edge rusher spot. Same deal as offensive tackle, where you're drafting late in the third round, so it's going to be hard to find a bulletproof candidate at, at edge rusher that's going to step in and dominate right away. Kind of just like you know, how Drake Jackson was last year. They had to wait till number 61 to pick him. They believe he had some first-round traits, but obviously the strength wasn't quite there to last a full season at, at, at high production. So I think that, you know, the way you look at this, it's like a, a developmental factory for the 49ers. You pick Jackson last year at 61. 
He delivered an incomplete season, but a promising one, at least at the start. You hope that he has developed by the second year strength-wise to take that next step to be a four to 500 snap guy for you to pick up some of the slack of the edge rushers who have departed in free agency. And and you draft a little bit lower this time. You draft the, the your next Drake Jackson. You draft somebody who might be able to help you over 200 or so snaps in 2023, but has to develop into a more perennial edge player later on. And if you can keep that line moving as the 49ers, if your coaching staff and Drake Jackson responds the way that you want them to, that that's a winning economical formula. So I do think that this draft is going to feature the 49ers trying to find those next prospects along the defensive line to make sure that that unit keeps on churning forward. Yeah, three guys jump out to me in the, in the draft and um, you know, it's another Goldilocks situation. None of them is perfect. Uh, Isaiah Foskey is the first name. Uh, some people think that he could fall a little farther than wh- where he's projected to go right now, which is basically end of the second, early third. Um, and if he got close to the 49ers, uh, he would make a lot of sense. I mean, he gets off the, the ball very quickly. His his 10-yard split was one of the, the best uh, I, I'd seen this year. Um, and, um, you know, he's got the potential to be Maybe early in his career, he's just sort of a, a sub-package type guy, but he's got the, the size and the length to be an every-down guy, a guy who can come in and, and replace Nick Bosa for a, a few snaps to allow Bosa a breather um, who would uh, alternate with Drake Jackson, etc. You know, his, his Goldilocks flaw is that he, he just might be gone for the, for when the 49ers are on the clock. The, the next guy is Byron Young from, from Tennessee, um, very productive, gets off the ball quickly, um, you know, makes a lot of plays in the backfield, is strong. Um, his issue, he, he could be gone too, his issue is that he's 25 years old. Um, so already older than Drake Jackson, I think, right? Isn't Drake Jackson one of the younger guys on the team? Uh, he might be significantly older than, than Drake Jackson. Um, Drake Jackson it, is um, 22, yeah, born in 2001. So- <laughs> So he'd be three years older than last year's rookie. Uh, so I, I don't know how the 49ers would, would reconcile that. But, um, yeah, you, you want to you keep the guy in, in the sweet spot of his career. and You're not sure whether uh, you would keep uh, a guy like Byron Young beyond his, uh, his second contract. Uh, and then the, the third guy, and to me he's the most intriguing because he sort of fits all of the parameters. Um, you know, he might uh, – he, he's likely going to be there or at least close – uh, he can he can move inside if he has to. He has great off the ball skills, and that's Yaya Diaby from uh, from oh, Louisville. Oh yeah, Louisville. Yeah, very strong. I mean, really, just looked fantastic at the combine, and um, his uh, his last year at Louisville sort of underscored that. I mean, he was he was very good, and it didn't really play uh, sort of that that sack master spot, you know, that, that five technique who, who comes just flying off the edge and takes advantage of college uh, offensive tackles. This guy was doing dirty work in, in the middle a lot too and still had some really, really good backfield numbers. I imagine that that really appeals to Chris Kosarek and, and Daryl Tapp and that they, they reason that this guy's got fight. He's got a good, um, he's got raw materials. He's somebody that you know, while we have uh, an Austin Bryant and a Cleveland Farrell on the team, okay, we don't we don't have to play this guy a lot. We can develop him, um, uh, but in year two, 
he and Drake Jackson plus Nick Bosa become a real triumvirate that they kind of rotate around and becomes very effective. Um, it, it just makes a lot of sense that uh, he might end up being one of those uh, third round picks. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at his tape and Diaby's tape so much, so much production last year playing from from multiple spots. There are a lot of edge rushers in this draft with uh, really good measurables who aren't expected to be picked until those middle rounds. Uh, and that, I think that lends itself to, to John Lynch's thoughts about this draft, it being a, a, a deeper draft, maybe not a top-heavy one, because the concern with some of these guys is that they won't have elite counter moves like a Nick Bosa, so they won't be able to win that chess match to the tune of 15-plus sacks a year. But that's not necessarily what the 49ers are looking for. They're about to pay Nick Bosa to be their 15-plus sack-a-year guy, and they need a complimentary piece to him. And they need a complimentary piece that Chris Kacarek can develop. And guess what? Kacarek loves players who have what you can't teach, and, and those are the athletic skills, especially the burst of the line of scrimmage. They have that get-off, if they have that burst, well, he, he, could, he could teach the counter moves. You know, Nick Bosa can help teach some of the scissor hand moves to, to these guys. Nick Bosa is like a coach in the room. He'll be expected to be one uh, moving forward based on how much they're going to pay him this offseason. So yeah, you look at Diaby. I, I think I uh, picked DJ Johnson in, in, in our dueling mock draft. He, he's a special athlete out of Oregon who still is raw but had eight and a half sacks last year. Johnson, uh, 4 4 9 40 at 260 pounds and a nice one five two ten 10-yard burst. I mean, those are elite numbers. The question is, can he become an elite football player rushing from the edge of the next level? Well, the 49ers have the developmental infrastructure in place uh, to maximize the chances of that. And all of this, you know, I keep on talking about maximizing chances. That's what this is, Matt, right? I mean, you, you, you try to take as many swings as possible so that you get as many hits as possible. More at-bats means more chances of hits. And it's like baseball in that way. You're not going to be batting 1,000. The best hitters might only be batting 370, 380, somewhere around there, right? And I think that the 49ers, they've had a good percentage in the draft over the years. A lot of people will talk about the misses, but the percentage has been good. The batting average has been good, and they're going to try to keep on hitting at least 300 this year. Yeah, and they don't have to take any position. I mean, I guess when you're picking at number 99, um, you uh, that, that, that has to be the case. Um, because there's no guarantee that you're you're gonna bring in a uh, a ready-made starter, somebody who can start from day one. But uh, they can afford to um, you know take somebody who's raw, uh, like DJ Johnson, somebody that um, just has uh, has the frame and uh, you know the ability, but uh, probably needs uh, a year of coaching. And and that's what the 49ers like to do. They 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 don't like to play these rookies. A lot. Uh, Drake Jackson is a, a great case in point. Uh, the, the, it's a long list uh, of, of players. So, um, you know, that, that frustrates the fan base sometimes, but uh, that's the, the 49ers' MO. And the way the roster is structured, you know, let's just take defensive end, for example. I mean, w- with Austin Bryant, with uh, Cleveland Farrell, both of those guys are on one year deals. Um, you know, those are the guys that are going to be playing a lot this year. It's not going to be the rookie, likely. Um, injuries will have a big say in that. But uh, whoever they pick up likely is going to play even less than Drake Jackson did in 2022. 
uh, it's it's 2023 where that guy is going to have to, to shine. So um, I think everybody should keep that in mind. Uh, it's a looking ahead draft, a, a draft where these guys probably aren't going to spring into action. You, you could say that at, at cornerback. You can say that whatever safety they take. Um, you know, tight end might be the, the, the exception there, depending on who they get, because Tyler Croft, who's not on the team anymore, uh, basically was the number two tight end last year. He, he played the most snaps after George Kittle. So you would think that if the 49ers used a, uh, a high, high-ish pick on a, uh, on a tight end, something they haven't done in a long time, um, that guy would end up getting a lot of the Croft snaps uh, from last year. Uh, and essentially it would be the number two. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's been something that Kyle Shanahan has been trying to, to do for a while is pair George Kittle with a truly reliable tight end in both the, the blocking and the receiving game. He, he wants, you know, plus production on the other side. They, they took a, a swing on, on Jordan Reed and it was really a, a, a no cost swing back in 2020. It was a it was a injury flyer kind of contract, but unfortunately, Jordan Reed did end up getting hurt, and I think that was something that the 49ers were able to live with. They said, you know, uh, it was an oh-what-the-heck kind of signing. But now, this year, with how deep this tight end draft class is, it, it, I think it mirrors the, the the rest of this draft. It's it's not particularly top-heavy, but, but, but it's, it, it is deep. I think the 49ers truly believe... They can find a compliment to George Kittle, a Robin to to the Batman of George Kittle, right? I don't think that there is another Kittle. Kittle was a four five forty guy. The fact that he slipped the fifth round is is mind boggling, in retrospect. But I think they could find a good fast tight end who can also block, who can benefit from being in an offense where defenses are focused on so many other weapons, including Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, who we talked about earlier in the show. And, you know, it's all about adaptability in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You need to be able to sell the run or the pass at all times out of every formation. And with a nice quality two tight end set, the possibilities become so much more diverse because you can threaten run to either side, right? You're ambidextrous as an offense. Kittle's such a good run blocker that when he's out there, uh, the defense can cheat to one side. They could say, okay, if this play is a run, uh, you know, we might need extra resources toward the side where Kittle's going, especially if he's lined up in it with a combo bo- uh, uh, for a combo block with uh, somebody like Trent Williams. If you could pick up a second tight end who's a receiving threat and a run blocking threat, and you pair him with George Kittle on the field at the same time, all of a sudden that strains the defense in a way that Kyle Shanahan uh, would be really licking his chops, Matt. Yeah, for sure. And, and there, there are a few guys, uh, you know, Luke Schoonmaker from – Michigan played in, obviously in a in a run heavy uh, offense and, and had uh, good production there as a receiver. Uh, Brenton Strange from Penn State kind of falls into the same category. I like uh, Payne Durham from uh, from Purdue. <laughs> Talking about three Big Ten schools and and that's no coincidence. I mean these these are schools that use their tight end as as blockers, uh, probably even more than. As receivers, and so that's what I think um, Shanahan's going to be looking at there. Um, there is a uh, a George Kittle tight end in this draft. Uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa compares very uh, closely to, to to George. Not as fast as George. Um, probably not going to be as productive as George. Uh, but because of that, he's probably going to go 
in the second round is probably out of out of their league. One guy I've heard who might fall farther than people think um, is uh, South Dakota State's uh, Tucker Kraft, another kind of dual guy, big, fast, productive in both uh, the, the run game and uh, and the in the passing game. He's another guy that boy, if he starts falling close to this team, he might be very tempting for the 49ers. Uh, that would mean that the 49ers would have both a, a jackrabbit and a bison, though, uh, in their offense. I don't know if, if those two schools can, can coexist there with uh, with Trey Lance being the, the bison. Trey Lance, he was at their, he was at their uh, spring game the other day watching his younger brother play. I think he scored a touchdown. I saw a video of that on the Internet. So we'll see what the 49ers do, Matt. It's, uh, it's anybody's guess right now. It's not like we're zeroing in on one or two quarterbacks for to make our draft predictions right now like we were in 2021 this is more like last year except even more extreme in that the 49ers aren't picking early they're not picking until number 99 it was number 61 last season so um we're gonna start getting really busy in all likelihood late on friday evening and then we're gonna be really busy through saturday and then busy on sunday with the undrafted free agents as it stands the 49ers currently have 23 spots open on their 90-man roster they will likely fill almost all of them up with rookies this weekend. So it's exciting times. 49ers roster about to get bigger. Anyway, uh, this has been our pre-draft preview show. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll check in with you after the 49ers make their selections and sign their undrafted free agents this weekend. Everybody talk soon.